0: No, nothing, nothing yet, no pulse. Continue compression. How long has he been down? Uh, 19 minutes. No pulse, no rhythm, no cardiac output. Let's call it. Note the time.
1: It's 12.36. Death occurred at 12.36 AM.
0: Call the ME. Cease is identified as Metro Police Detective.
1: Nicholas Knight. Hi, I'm Rachel.
2: And I'm Matt. And this is
1: Come In 81 Kilo,
2: a Forever Night podcast.
1: back, friends. It's time for another episode. Forever Night, Season 3, Episode 10, Night in Question. You know, it's funny, I was talking to Kate, and she was like, how much longer do you have on that Forever Night, the, the Forever Night podcast? And of course, she's never seen it or heard of it. Right,
2: she hasn't listened to any episodes.
1: No. And I said, well, you know, we got 10 episodes, 12 episodes left in the season, and then we'll be all finished. And she goes... Oh, you guys are going like episode by episode? I said, "Yeah, like what have we been talking about for a year and a half?" If, if we was just, <laughs> been, and she's like, "Oh, you're like a super fan cast." Sure. Okay. Well, I just thought that was really funny. The like, oh, like what would we be doing? She didn't
2: know how seriously you were taking this whole thing. I
1: can't imagine what it would be like to like try to group episodes because. None of the plot lines are sequential.
2: Right. There's no so you can't like season see, story arcs.
1: They're each one are each one's like a short story that sometimes relates to the others and sometimes doesn't.
2: It's but, like the weekly comic strip.
1: Like, I you couldn't group them. You couldn't group them and do them justice. So anyway, I'm happy with our format, but I thought that was really funny.
2: Well and, you could skim through multiple episodes mm-hmm. in one podcast episode.
1: I mean, I guess, but at the same time, like, I wouldn't feel good about it. Like, I wouldn't feel like we really touched on everything I wanted to touch on. Yeah. Because the fun comes in picking these apart and really talking about what are they trying to say and what did they actually say and what was just flat out ridiculous and what was fun and what was funny and what was intentionally funny and what was unintentionally funny and, you know, all the things that we like to do. And I bring this up because... Uh, when I put this episode on, you were like, oh, it's this one because you've probably seen this episode. Like, yeah. s- I don't know, like a lot. Because if I sit down and I'm like, I'm going to put an episode on, one like a slam dunk. F- I love this episode. I know I'm going to love it. It's my favorite. Uh, probably Curiouser and Curiouser is my favorite. And this is probably number two. And I put it on a lot. So you've seen this one a lot. So we... we maybe we'll have a little bit more fun chatting about this one because this was not fresh for you at all you had absolutely seen this episode before and to me this episode is sort of um a bit like curiouser and curiouser where the events that happen in it literally have nothing to do with anything ever 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 again it's almost right. an the alternate reality part of the
2: story is
1: What would happen? What's happening between
2: the characters? What would
1: happen if Nick lost all of his memories? Uh, We got one of these up. These are always my favorite. These are always my favorite episode. We got one of these in True Blood, and it's like one of the few episodes in True Blood that I genuinely enjoyed and watched multiple times. And it's the one where Eric loses his memory, and he ends up with Sookie, and uh, it's just Alexander Skarsgard being like sweet and protective, and. Slightly psychotic and just adorable, and I love it. He doesn't forget. He's a vampire. He just forgets right. everything about his life, whereas Nick forgets everything
2: and except English and how to drive his car and how to get to the warehouse. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was good. Oh, we're gonna get
1: there. <laughs> Don't worry. It's how all, to use the elevator? It's all in my notes. I was like, wait, does he just remember the map? Because they tell him. Once the crossroads where the um, warehouse is, and that's the only time it's mentioned to him, and yet he knows how to get there immediately. But you know what? You're making me get ahead of myself here.
2: We, I guess, we're still waiting on the flashback to like the founding of Toronto when (laughs) he was the partner of the city planner that laid out the street plan and the names and everything. Right. And so it's like burned into his memory, like Mm -hmm. language. Okay. That's how he can navigate. That's how the Toronto Mothman navigates the streets so well.
1: <laughs> maybe it's like in um, the first Good Omens season when Crowley uh, helps design the um, the highway that goes around London. And he oh yeah. he and it's arranges a, like, it demonic like symbol. this demonic symbol. Yeah, so maybe it's like that. <laughs> I don't know. We get demons in the next episode. So <clears throat> we start out with... Uh, they're rushing into the hospital and we just get the top of somebody's head on a gurney and yeah, they're bloody, running and they're like, oh my bloody God, matted hair. there's no pulse. There's no rhythm. Let's get this guy back to life or whatever. And so we're doing chest compressions and we're shocking him. And yet somehow through all of this, we haven't ripped his shirt off because God forbid, <laughs> God forbid, uh, even a square like, you know what we get? We get his like. I wonder if he used a body double for the scene where Natalie pulls his shirt up and you get to see, like, the space just below his ribs. to <laughs> see, like, no, no, that can't be me. We got him. <laughs> like, when they use a body double for nudity scenes, yeah. that counted. Like, no, that's too much. But apparently this guy has been down for 19 minutes because they're trying to bring him back. They're trying everything they can. And then they're like, well, how long's he been down? Like, ah, 19 minutes. Since the doctor's like, it's cool. We'll call it. Like, it's 12.36 a.m. Uh, deceased is identified as Metro Police Detective Nicholas Knight. And then it, like, bum, bum, bum. like, pans over, and he's laying there with his neck brace on. Oh, no, he dead. And she says, call the ME, which is lucky, because, again, he's real fucking lucky he made friends with Natalie.
2: <laughs> it's so convenient.
1: What does he do in other situations? Does he just, like...
2: I guess you just leave? pretend to be you dead leave, you leave. until yeah. you get left alone.
1: You pretend to die and then you leave. And then we go to the Except intro.
2: in this case he wouldn't because he lost his memories.
1: Well I guess he'd go he would, outside and just burn to death. He <laughs> just,
2: he'd just wake up. Yeah. And like in the hospital morgue and they'd be like, What? <laughs> like, How did I get here? <laughs> Um, but... Who am I? <laughs> What's <was> happening here? <laughs> oh, let, let's let get you some fresh air.
1: That's when LaCroix shows up. Again. What well, like he does in this. Yeah, L-
2: LaCroix's there to run interference.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think the only reason LaCroix isn't just like murdering and removing him forcibly from the hospital is because he, he owes him a favor, apparently. And like, this is the moment he's going to cash this in.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> No, nothing has happened since. What is it? The Bolshevik Re- Revolution? What is happening? I don't know. What, what... What's.
2: Because
1: uh... they're speaking Russian. He's got a fancy, like, furry hat with many, many buttons.
2: He's dressed up like a drum major. <laughs> he's supposed <laughs> he looks to be like. like he's a... about to be marching down the I road. I don't know. Leading if, a band. If
1: this is the Bolshevik Re- Revolution, then it's like 1910 ish. Yeah. Yeah, at the same time that Sean Connery arrives at Wimbledon, tennis. Tennis. <laughs> that joke never gets old. No. Okay. Uh, we come back, and Tracy and Reese are in the waiting room. And Tracy. Morning. Tracy has like a bloody jacket. Like it's pretty graphic what she went through. She went through some shit. This woman has been through shit. Okay. She's already been kidnapped by a serial killer. She already had to murder somebody on the job. Oh, you know, she had to shoot somebody on the job in self-defense. Yeah. Um. She just has already gone through so much, and I just, huh. You know, it's funny. Actually, I was thinking about that crack you made last time about how she is the Daniel Day Lewis of undercover <laughs> <laughs> police yes. officers, and it reminded me because I wanted to watch this one episode of Forever Night, and I did because you weren't here, and so I got to just watch Forever Night recreationally. So I watched a season one episode. I watched Dance by the Light of the Moon because there's a scene towards the end where he, like, walks out of the shadow, and it's one of the coolest scenes in the whole show. And I just wanted to, like, I don't know, I'd been thinking about that scene, and so I wanted to watch it because that's how my mind works. And so I was watching it, and I realized he pulls a Tracy in that episode, because remember, he's being an asshole to everybody oh, the right. entire episode yeah. because he's trying to get on the side of the sex worker lady, the um, lady who strips. Right. Anne right. Foley. And
2: Foley, you you talked about how for him it's really easy to just switch his yeah. personalities because he's had to be different people. He's had to switch up his life so many times, right? And so for him, he's going undercover as an asshole douchebag. Yeah. And he's able to just fully commit to it because yeah. he's been that before.
1: Right. So he pulls a Tracy. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, well, maybe that's why he's so understanding. He's like, well, she's, this is a face. I did the same thing at the he, beginning too. He can
2: see himself in her when she's, when he sees how she does her police work.
1: Right. But Reese is comforting Tracy. He's you know, like, oh, you're okay. This wasn't you. Um, and this is when the doctor comes out, and she's like, look, we did everything we could, but he didn't make it. And Tracy is so sorry.
2: Sorry. <laughs>
1: sorry. We watched Slings and Arrows with uh, Meg for uh, Gare Can Get It, which if you haven't noticed, Gare Can Get It has started airing, so it will be coming out every Sunday. Um, If you're expecting order, don't. It's sort of, what can we stomach? Also, Gare's size of role varies so greatly that it's difficult to, like, go in order. Because it's like, well, here's the thing he was in in 1980 where he was in it for 30 seconds. So let's talk about that. Uh, No, some of those things are going to get grouped. So, Gare Can Get It has started airing. But we watched Slings and Arrows because he is in a season of Slings and Arrows as a character named um, Henry Breedlove.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> and there's a character in there, a woman who says that she's sorry constantly. And so Meg was watching it, and she it must have like hit her that this woman sounded extremely Canadian every time she said sorry, because she goes sorry every time. And so Tracy is also sorry. <laughs> and Reese is like, no, it's nobody's fault but the guy who pulled the trigger. Don't. This isn't you. You didn't put him in this position. You didn't get him shot. The man who shot him shot him. I don't want to hear any more about it being your fault. And she actually has like a memory because she's like, I'm trying to remember, like I'm trying to remember what this guy looked like. And she gets a black and white memory because all of our present day memories are black and white in this. And she remembers like turning Nick over and his head wound is super graphic like maybe because it's black and white they felt like they could make him really bloody but like that wouldn't be really traumatic to see because there's like a puddle of blood and then his hair is all bloody
2: well it on, on the other hand it was probably like really nice because pretty much every other time she interacts with Nick she can't see what's going on in his head,
1: don't even did you oh my God <laughs> It's too soon. that's not okay, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Wow, thank you. You're welcome. yeah, I'm sure Tracy really appreciates that joke after seeing like her her partner's brain matter on the floor gross, so Natalie arrives. <laughs> Just, I'm, um, um, we know we're just gonna, pop, pop. it was like we went over a speed bump <laughs> and we're just gonna, just gonna, keep, we deal just with gonna keep on rolling. yeah That's yeah. exactly how we deal with you. So, Natalie arrives and she's like, uh, where's Nick? And they're like, oh my God, Natalie, I am so sorry. Which he did not make
2: it. If, if the hospital had called her to come over, yeah, she should have,
1: she knew it already. A- she just walked in and was like, where, where is he? What's going on? Or she could have already been on the way, and they could have called the Emmy's office, but she was already en route. Mm,
2: okay. I was um, thinking she probably has an administrative contact in the hospital that she would go to instead of that's asking That's probably them. how she – well, I mean – It's probably just more conversational.
1: Yeah. Also, like, I'm here. Where is he? What's going on? Yeah. And so she runs in, and they're like, oh, my God, Natalie, I'm so sorry. He is not – among the living anymore. And she's like, spoiler alert, he never was. But (laughs) It's not news. (laughs) It's not news. And (laughs) she's really not hearing it. She's like, okay, um, okay." so where is he, though? And so she ends up, um, while she's having this conversation, we cut back to uh, the detective, the good detective, who is lying in bed. And this nurse comes in and she's like, "Eh, I gotta schedule a pickup. We need to get this guy down to the morgue because he's sitting here and Things are happening. We need to, like, get this body out of here. And he takes a um, nice deep breath. And she's like, oh, shit. That's not normal. Like,
2: <laughs> That's not how the bodies they, spasm. They
1: breathe out, but they don't really, you know, inhale. That requires, yeah. like, work. And so Natalie pops in just as she spins around. Like, she spins around, and Natalie is right there. And she's like, oh, uh, hi. Uh, this guy's alive. And she goes, well, then you better go get some help. And so this lady runs off, and Natalie uh, runs in uh, to uh, care for Nick in the way that only she knows how to do. And she like rips her jacket off. Which, in case you're counting, this is number one—the first time she takes her jacket off in this episode. Pretty much every time she walks into a scene in this episode, she's wearing the same outfit. And <laughs> she, she, she went takes to her a seminar,
2: off. and they were like, "When you walk into a scene, you need to establish your." presence like i'm gonna stay in this scene yeah by taking your jacket your off jacket and she's off. like all right i'm gonna practice that
1: yeah and if you pay attention she doesn't have anywhere to put it so she throws it on the ground so when they wheel him off it's like kicked up in the corner because there's no chair or anything mm-hmm. for to drape it on yeah um i watched a somebody else watched forever night and mentioned it on instagram
0: like what? i know
1: and she's a pretty big creator um i think her name is Gingerlocks. i'll find it and i'll put it in the thing but she was like listen um if you guys need something to watch i know the perfect vampire telenovela and she, she described forever night as a telenovela and i have never felt so validated in my entire life <laughs> this is a fucking telenovela it the it drama fits. yeah the and this is the most telenovela episode the dude wakes up from a coma and has amnesia you don't get more textbook <laughs> telenovela than that okay so Anne meets his greatest enemy who he doesn't know is his greatest enemy and who tries to say that he's it's the it is like the it's like they watched a soap opera episode and they were like okay noted Okay, what's next? We need to get some of that in
2: the mix. Okay, so then Natalie's
1: pregnant. Got it. Okay, no, wait. We can't do that. Never mind. Scratch that one out. (laughs) And so after she rips off her jacket dramatically, which totally takes like 10 seconds, she does not have, (laughs) she opens her bag and she pulls out this blood bag with like a long needle already attached to the end and And she just sticks it
2: into his stomach
1: sticks into what i can only assume is garrett Wynn davie's body double because there's no way (laughs) we got to see that much of his skin (laughs) and she sticks it into his stomach and it immediately starts um like going through the tube
2: she kind of squeezes it a little bit yeah but then some people come in and she like just tucks it under the blanket yeah she tucks it
1: under the blanket and the the when the doctor arrives yeah
2: she pulls it out in a minute, and it's empty. Yeah, he was thirsty. his stomach was slurping the blood up.
1: Yes. Like, well, okay. So we know the stomach only- doesn't generate yes, suction. It does. Yes, it does. Okay,
2: so a vampire's stomach yes. does. Yes. So
1: we know from only the lonely, he is capable of absorbing blood through orifices other than his mouth because
2: wait what yes
1: so in only the I lonely need, i
2: need a reminder yes you
1: do and i'm about to give it to you so in only the lonely remember he's in the body bag the de blah, 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 i think is what i said in only the lonely. and blood has like run out of the body bag and pulled on the table mm-hmm. and as she's on the phone the blood starts running back into the body bag
2: oh yes when he was reassembling himself
1: yes so it is. He is capable. In my mind, of,
2: that was a healing thing. Although we also know a, that the only vampire that's the only blood that's ever in a vampire's body is the blood that they've <laughs> recently consumed. So, <laughs> so that would have been the blood that he fed on.
1: Yeah. So he needed. He. I mean, it was a healing. It, like he needed blood for healing. He got shot in the fucking head. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so she put a needle there.
2: She could in have her. just like poured it on him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean it might but that would have been up.
1: like if they'd come in and she'd slit a blood bag and was pouring it on top of him, <laughs> that would have led to more questions. <laughs> than... So <laughs>
2: So when he's drinking blood out of like the glass bottle. Yeah. Could he just stick his finger in and hold the bottle <laughs> upside down but maybe and just not... absorb it through no, his finger? No, no, no.
1: No. A slower I don't know. <laughs> maybe, but it's less satisfying. Could he, use like a, could he use like a nicotine patch? Like, <laughs> <laughs> listen, maybe it needs to have like an opening. Like, that blood went into a cut. This blood went in through the tube into his stomach. It can't go through his skin. That's not a permeable membrane. He can't. Although, you know, Elizabeth Battery did bathe in blood, and maybe that's why. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, honey. These are just questions we're not going to be able to answer. Uh, So the doctor arrives and she's like, uh, as she's walking in, she's like, ma, sometimes this is a reaction to medication. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Death? Yes, sometimes (laughs) Cardiac arrest. (laughs) Sometimes death and cardiac arrest is a symptom of medication. I'm not so sure that temporary life signs after life signs have ceased for a significant duration are a side effect of anything. And if they are, that probably requires further study. And I can't believe you're just flippantly like, sometimes they breathe. I don't know what to tell you. Um, oh, but she walks it's in. It's like and- when
2: you sprinkle salt on, um, f- like freshly slaughtered meat, the muscle twitches.
1: Thank you for that. Yeah. Go- okay. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Maybe somebody sprinkled some salt on.
1: God. On freshly <laughs> like- <laughs> slaughtered meat. <laughs> Thank you, Anita. So, Natalie is like, "Oh, don't worry. I already took his vital signs." And just hands her a chart on which she has written nothing.
2: Got <laughs> that, too.
1: She picks the chart up and it's just like, "Oh yeah, no, no. His uh his Here's his blood
2: pressure his blood and pressure, and his pressure his pulse. is 110 over 60. Yep, stabilizing. It. Don't no worry problem. About it.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely not a problem." And then the doctor goes, "Aren't you a little off your beat, Dr. Lambert?" And she's like, well you know, right time, right place, I guess." And she, oh, she says, I'm a close personal friend of the revived. (laughs) And the doctor goes, Well, your friend's a miracle man. And Natalie's like, Meh. I mean, how bad was his head wound, really? And she goes, Well, I mean, it was pretty bad. He got shot in the fucking head. (laughs) And Natalie's like, Did he, though? Like, she gaslights her immediately. She's like, but did he and so the doctor turns to look and that's when Natalie like lifts up the lifts up the blanket and whips Noit. the blood bag out. The doctor's not the only person in the room.
2: Right. That's fine. Everyone Although, else is like oh, I, the I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say Natalie's gaslighting the doctor. I would say Nick is gaslighting reality. <laughs> By being okay. a vampire, you're,
1: you're just gonna macro step that back all the way. Like you're just and gonna be like, whose <laughs> fault is this? Ultimately, Natalie's doing gaslighting. Yes, yeah.
2: But um, <laughs> she's she's uh cooperating with Nick's more egregious gaslighting oh, okay. <laughs> against the universe. Right.
1: Well, they immediately run him off to surgery slash X-ray, and. <laughs> Natalie, that's when they wheel him away and you can see Natalie's jacket is like hitched up in the corner where she's tossed it. And then Natalie comes out to tell Reese and Tracy that Nick is alive. She's like, good news. Good news, (laughs) everyone. He ain't ain't dead. And they're like, I'm sorry, what? And Natalie's like, well, um, he went into temporary cardiac arrest um, because of the shock. It's not unheard of. He's alive.
0: But the doctor pronounced him dead.
1: Nick went into a temporary cardiac arrest. With that kind of a shock to the system, it's not all that unusual. Is he going to live? Well, he's still in a coma, but I have a feeling that he's going to pull through. But he's back. And they're like, oh, is he going to live? Which she does not answer. She goes, well, um, I have a feeling he'll pull through. She doesn't say, yes, he's going to live because, uh, spoiler alert, he wasn't alive beforehand. Uh, but he will continue to exist. Yes, you are correct. As you yes. have known
2: him, he will continue to exist.
1: Yes. And then the doctor the doctor goes in to look at the x-rays. I love this episode, partly because this is a pivot point for LaCroix's character. Because up until now, um, LaCroix has softened, but he is not... He is not the soft character we get in the second half of season three. And so this is kind of our first indication of what we could have with LaCroix. Because LaCroix is there to actually help Nick. Against his will, slightly. But in like a... uh, He got himself into shit again. And I'm going to get him out. And I don't love it. But hey, maybe he'll say thank you. Maybe. I don't know. So the doctor is looking at the x-rays, and she goes, man, we should be talking about this guy in past tense, because she's not alone in the room. There's somebody else in the room. He's off in the corner, in the dark corner, facing away from her. As you do. Uh, And I wrote in my notes, sneaky LaCroix, because he's like in the corner with his back to her, like, you can't see me if I can't see you.
2: So LaCroix here fulfills the role that a lot of other vampire shows use... Like vampire politics mm. for. Yeah. Like they, the, there's the a, an organization mole. of vampires that have their fingers into all the human or human organizations. Whatever, yeah. And, and they can intervene in situations when vampires get caught up in the human machinery. Yeah. And it kind of brings to mind like, What's the normal procedure for when something like this happens? Like if it if a vampire like accidentally gets shot in the head very injured and brought into a human hospital and there's no vampire accomplices there to intervene, and then the hospital's like, What is this? This is not human.
1: Well, you just disappear. You just disappear.
2: Nick didn't disappear.
1: I mean, I'm a regular human woman and sometimes I can go into the hospital and feel like nobody knows I exist. I feel like a, a vampire could also go in. Uh,
2: but but this is a white man.
1: Oh. That's fair.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I think it's a there's not that many of them.
2: Yeah, there's probably a lot fewer of them in the Forever Night universe than yeah, there are. Yeah, that's usually in other when you stories. when
1: you get that is when you have like huge vampire populations. And I think the implication is there are not that many, and they generally do not involve themselves in human affairs. So there really are very few situations where a vampire is going to get injured and have to go to the hospital. Or like you think of Nick, the first time this happened to Nick, when he jumped on the pipe bomb, he was just so injured, they immediately took him to the ME. And in that situation, you would have just woken up, hypnotized whoever was in the room, And dipped.
2: Right. And if you couldn't hypnotize them, you just kill them.
1: Yeah. If you can't hypnotize them, you kill them. Then it's just a mystery that never gets solved because you never existed anyway and you just disappear off into
2: nothingness. But if you wake up and you have no memories.
1: I mean, this, I think, is an extraordinary circumstance. And it's also why you are never alone as a vampire. Like... Why probably why he the being, buddy system? It's a buddy system. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because it's probably why he is so <laughs> Nick, weird at being like the loner that he is.
2: Nick is actively avoiding the buddy system. Yeah, and Lacroix is like, no, this is how we do things. I'm going to be your buddy, whether you like it or not. He's that buddy. kid
1: in class that refuses to participate in the group work. Everybody else is doing group projects, and so he's not doing the group project, even though it makes his job like way harder. still (laughs) won't do it Um, because he just doesn't trust the other people in his group to have the same goals as he does. Mm -hmm. So it's fair. Uh, But sneaky LaCroix turns around and he's like, maybe you were wrong. And the lady's like, "Uh," the doctor is like, no, Um, half his brain has been scrambled. And then we get the cool, I love when LaCroix hypnotizes people because this is exactly how I would imagine that like a skilled person using like a skilled vampire using hypnotism would work because Nick In is contrast just, to Nick. Nick is just like, look me in the eye. And then he's just like, you know, is it he's a hammer. LaCroix is a scalpel.
2: Well, I think it's in character. Yeah. For, oh no. For Gare as an actor. Is. Because he likes to nail things.
1: Oh my God. Why? <laughs>
2: Two, two in one episode. Yes, I'm on a roll.
1: You are on a roll.
2: All right, so we get we get no. very suave. No. <laughs> God. We get very suave, Lacroix. Yeah, gaslighting Can this doctor. Can we
1: and like fucking Nigel Bennett? Right, he is pretty buff. Like you don't see it normally because he's in like 16 layers, but him and Scrubs, you're like. You take care of yourself, and I just really appreciate all the work that you put into yourself. Because his shoulders look really nice in these scrubs. so <laughs> I want to point that out. And he literally walks over as he's hypnotizing this woman, which does not require him looking in her eyes at all. He's just hypnotized with his presence.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he's like, you know, the weird things about x-rays is um, they tend to be flawed. And I think this is one of those times. And she's like, yeah, one of those times. <laughs>
2: So we, we know LaCroix prepared, like he, he brought materials. He brought his props. He's
1: switching out the x-rays. He's taking off the x-ray that has the bullet in it.
2: we have established that you can't actually hypnotize someone if they have-
1: Empirical evidence.
2: Evidence. Yeah. And so he
1: gaslights
2: the (laughs) x-ray.
1: Does that mean that the bullets are still in Nick's head? Because they showed up on the x-ray. Yeah. Unless they removed them. Is it
2: going to be like Wolverine where they're just going to pop out in a few weeks? <laughs>
1: Maybe. Uh, that would have been really awkward if Natalie had not had succeeded in gaslighting him into believing he was human. And then like he wakes up one morning with a headache and then a bullet pops out of his forehead. And Natalie's <laughs> or, like, oh no, that happens sometimes.
2: If it, w- if it went to the extent of like the multiple personality disorder. Yeah. person where they actually biologically were not a vampire. Yeah. when they believed themselves to be human. Would he have just died? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> right? If if he had if Natalie had succeeded in convincing him of his humanity, would he have reverted back to like human biological function and then because we see him eating. Yeah. Would he have been, like, gotten a brain infection and died?
1: Well, it's food for thought. <laughs> <laughs> so LaCroix is switching out the x-rays and he he goes, this man is, uh, he goes, it's nowhere as bad as it first seemed. I mean, the good detective is the luckiest man alive. And she's like, yeah, luckiest man alive. And he says, the bullet bounced off the detective's very thick yes. skull. Yes. <laughs> And cause. Lacroix, how do do you feel about Nick? He really, he just slid that dig right in there. He was like, well, he's quite dense. It's very difficult for bullets to penetrate when your head is that dense. And the lady's like, yeah, very thick skull. And then I love this moment because I fucking love how Nigel plays Lacroix. I think Garrett does a really good job as Nick, and I appreciate him as Nick, and I enjoy his character, but there are times when it feels like Garrett is telling a joke, and we're all in on it, and Nick is the joke. Every once in a great while, you get the sense that, like, he doesn't get why Nick would do this, so he's really not into it. He's doing a good job. He's giving it his all, but he doesn't love the role. I never get the feeling that Nigel doesn't love being LaCroix. Like, he gets to show yeah, up every day and be this delightful fucking villain. And this moment where he, like, tilts his head to the side and just, like, strokes his finger down this woman's neck and does, like, a like a lip lick thing. Like, hmm, mm, you got a pretty neck. <laughs> it's just like a... Oh. If only these were different circumstances and we could have had a moment together. But instead, I'm here rescuing my dumbass son. (laughs) And he goes, you know, just the most remarkable case. And the lady goes, yeah, the most remarkable case. And he goes, so glad we concur, doctor. And it's just this really awesome, like, vampire scene where he just, Uh you know, it's very subtle. It's. Very well done. And of course it's Nigel Bennett. So fucking Nigel Bennett is just like crushing this moment as LaCroix. And Natalie is still out talking to Reese and Tracy. And she's telling them, like, oh no, no, he's gonna be fine. And she actually looks over and LaCroix walks by in the background and he's just like, Sup.
2: They make eye contact. <laughs>
1: like, don't worry, I got this. And it's when the doctor is briefing everybody, really, because she's like, Yeah, the he's a miracle. The bullet bounced off his Very thick skull.
0: The bullet glanced off the good detective's very thick skull. He's the luckiest man alive.
1: Like, why am I saying these things? I don't remember why I'm saying these things. And Tracy's like, oh, I'm just so glad he's okay. Do you think I could go back and see him? And Natalie's like, yeah, I think that could be arranged. Except she doesn't ever go back and see her. They walk back together. And then the next time we're back there, It's LaCroix with Nick in the room Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: Nick is still in a coma. And he's like, poor Nicholas. See what being like mixed up with mortals has got you? There's so much trouble. Like, I don't know why you're fucking with them. And uh, I just want to point out that Nick now has a heartbeat. Before, he had one heartbeat every 10 minutes.
2: Natalie must have hacked up the machine or something.
1: Yeah. She just put like a little metronome on there. Beep. Beep. (laughs) Because uh, he's got like he's got blood pressure and a heartbeat, and he mm. does it normally. Uh forever night being the paragon of consistency that it is. And this is the first time he says quid pro quo in this episode. I think he must say it like sixteen times. He's like quid pro quo, Nicholas.
2: Why wasn't this episode called quid t- pro, titled quid pro quo?
1: Uh, it's just night in question. I don't know. And he goes, I always pay my debts. Really, like good ones, bad ones, all of them. I, I take payment or I give payment, whatever. You know. <laughs> and then we go to a LaCroix flashback. And it's LaCroix on the battlefield. Because we
2: need some context for the quid pro quo.
1: In his jaunty hat. <laughs> and he's um, cruising for a snack. <laughs> Because he gets off, is he on horse? I think he's on a horse, which didn't we just establish they can't ride horses or can't be around horses. But he hops off his horse, takes his hat off, and he's like, hmm, I wonder if anybody's still alive around here. And so then he hears a heartbeat and he's like, Doo, do 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 he like, <laughs> <laughs> he's,
2: he's going grocery shopping. Yeah, he's
1: going grocery shopping. So he heads over to this guy who's apparently just alive enough, which we know he likes to follow. Follow war, even though he finds them messy. He can't he can't turn down all that free food, which is what he tells Nicholas. And uh, can't run, can't hide. And he's like, okay, well, I'm gonna eat this dude. So he takes his hat off, puts it down. He's kneeling down, and the guy's like, oh my god, are you death? And LaCroix's like, honey, I'm whatever you want me to be. <laughs> he's like, death? Sure, I'm death now. And so he goes in to bite the guy, and the guy's like, oh shit, you're a vampire. So he actually grabs a steak. And rams it into Laquad's chest. And Laquad is like... Ah, like, <laughs> like, no! dead like a dead spider tumble to the back. Like, ah, yeah. God, you got me. <laughs> and then apparently this is a mortal flesh wound, even though I've seen him staked and burned to death before, and he got better. So it can't be that Maybe bad. it
2: wasn't complete enough.
1: The, it, the was, it was a bad enough the...
2: wound to... Be painful and slightly, like, immobilize him. Yeah. But it didn't fully, like, kill him yeah. in a way that he could evaporate.
1: It must have been. Be yeah, because I was going to say the last couple times that we've seen a vampire get staked, they literally, like, poof and die. So.
2: Not, a, not as dramatically as in Buffy. Buffy.
1: No, you know but. why they did that? Because they didn't want to keep up with, like, getting rid of bodies. Yeah. It's literally the same reason that they invented the transporter for Star Trek, because they couldn't afford landing and taking off scenes. Yes. So they just created the tel- the transporter. And then in Buffy, they did the, like, puff because otherwise Buffy's always having to deal with dead bodies. So, yeah. It doesn't matter. He doesn't quite die. But that's the end of that part of the flashback. We don't know what happens next. And LaCroix... Comes back and he does like uh, a blood packed wrist to wrist thing with Nick.
2: Well, I was just thinking about this. Okay. Based on what we said a few minutes ago about like pulling in blood uh, from somewhere else without apparent like mechanism. Yeah. He can just like he needs blood. He can oh, just. There's blood. Out. There's an yeah. opening in his skin touching an opening in Lacroix's skin and Nick's body
1: we'll just take just what it needs just sucks in the blood yeah hey look at that we solved the problem we There's solved a canon the problem, explanation. problem solved <laughs> <laughs> uh, i love lecloz line here cuz he goes i do hope this wave of altruism passes quickly i find it quite distressing <laughs>
0: <laughs> quid pro quo i do hope this wave of altruism passes quickly It's quite distressing.
1: (laughs) And so Nick starts to wake up and he's like, welcome to the living, such as it is. (laughs) I fucking love LaCroix so much. Um, And Natalie goes back to see Nick because Nick's awake now because LaCroix did, did what he needed to do. Everything's healed up. He dipped. And... Um, Natalie goes back. Nick is sort of, he's still prone. He's awake, but he's not like moving. She doesn't bring Tracy. So she doesn't fulfill her promise to take Tracy back. Maybe to she Nick. brought
2: Tracy back and Nick was still out.
1: Unconscious. Could be.
2: And they just didn't include that scene because it Or didn't LaCroix really hypnotized
1: them and sent them off. Like, yeah. you saw Nick. He looks like shit. Now go home. <laughs> and she's like, how you doing? And he goes, well, my head's killing me. She goes, well, you did just get shot in the head. <laughs> And I had to do some pretty fast talking. And he's like, What? Who? And she's like, Yeah, that's what we're all hoping you can tell us, like who shot you? And he's like, No, no, no. Who are you? And then Natalie's like, Nick, say my name. <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, I got nothing. I got, I don't know who you are. And she's like, Oh shit. But also, hmm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she sees she sees an opportunity.
1: Right. And so Reese, she's talking to Reese about it. And Reese is like, fucking amnesia? Like, seriously? What is this, a telenovela? (laughs) (laughs) And he does say, well, it's better than being dead, which is true. It's better than being dead. And so Natalie is talking to the doctor and Reese. And she's like, well, maybe if I took him to his house, it could jog some memories. He He could, you know, familiar setting could shake things loose and she's like you know and um i volunteer as tribute like i'll I'll take him home i'm
2: a i'm a close personal friend
1: of the revived wink wink i'll take him home and um i'll make sure he um jogs a few things loose sound good and they're like yeah yeah that makes that makes sense she's like yeah i'm i'm a doctor he doesn't have any family um I'm already wearing my laced underwear. Like, I'm ready to go. (laughs) What
2: what was that about your underwear? (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) sorry. I mean, uh, I have a fresh fresh change of underwear in my car for emergencies. I've always got them
1: with me. It's absolutely not the teddy that I was given at my birthday party. So I can stay with him,
2: like, for a day or two, Uh overnight.
1: Maybe, If
2: need be, and... And I won't have to like leave him to go get fresh clothes. Nope. And, uh,
1: I yeah. won't have to no clothes at all. She's prepared. Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> clothes will not be an issue. Clothing
1: optional, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean like going to get clothing optional. Like I'm okay, yeah, I'll take Nick home. And they're like, uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so they come around the curtain to find Nick eating. Cause of course he's getting better really fast. He's a vampire and he's healing. And so uh, Natalie's like, oh my God you're eating and he's like well yeah and she has to do this thing where she composes her face like can we take a moment and also appreciate how good of an actor katherine disher is in this episode she actually gets a role like she doesn't just show up provide information and then disappear and she's having a great time because she has to like compose herself and you can see her you can see her as natalie like okay 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 Act cool. Don't act like this is weird. He should be eating. This shouldn't be a big deal. So just, like, play it cool. So she reins it in. And uh, they just spent the entire hallway talking about how he has amnesia. But he's like, not, Nick literally says, well, I know Dr. Lambert because she introduced herself. Uh, but I don't know who you are. To Reese. And Reese is like.
2: Offended. Oh Reese God. is offended. He's
1: like, oh my God, you don't know who I am. Like, dude, he has amnesia. What do you think that means? That means he, have you not watched Days of Our Lives? That means he doesn't know anything. <laughs> 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 or what's the episode <laughs> of Full <laughs> House where the lady loses her memory?
2: Didn't Reese make a comment in a previous episode about how he needs to listen to his wife more? Yeah. Because she watches all the stuff. Maybe when women television. talk,
1: it just sounds like the Charlie Brown mom. And so wah, wah, this wah, wah, is just wah, wah, reinforcing
2: wah, wah, wah. his previous story about how he doesn't watch any of that daytime TV stuff. Oh um, but his wife does. Yeah. And so maybe he goes home and he's like, Honey, what let's say, hypothetically, you had a detective that got shot in the head and he woke up in the hospital with amnesia. What what does that mean? She's and like, Oh yeah, like...
1: that happened like two episodes ago. I mean, keep up. That
2: happens all the time. They can't
1: remember anything, okay?
2: Do you have amnesia? He's like, but he can Reese? still talk
1: and eat. And it's like, well, no, it's memory. It's not like skills. Skills is in a different part of your brain. So he does. He looks offended.
2: Reese, talk to your wife more.
1: I know. But they tell him- Or I him, guess, listen to your wife listen, more. Yeah. May, like I said, maybe when women talk, it just sounds like the Charlie Brown mom. Yeah. Like, wah, 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 wah. So they do tell him that he's a homicide detective and someone shot him. And his partner, and he's lucky to be alive. And Nick looks mildly uncomfortable, and he's like, oh, um, is he dead? And Natalie goes, no, she is fine. Your partner, Tracy, is fine. Um, And we're just trying to figure out who shot you. And so he tries to remember, and he has like a brief memory flash, but it's not any more enlightening than Tracy's is. Except that the parade warehouse is super creepy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh I- I can't imagine going there and being like, oh, somebody wants to meet us here. Cool. This is absolutely not a setup. There's just too many blind angles for this to be a setup. I wonder
2: if this is like the actual city of Toronto warehouse for storing
1: like, I parade know. floats. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Um, they tell they tell Nick that um, Natalie wants to take him home and you know, see if he can get more comfortable, just remember some things. And he's like, oh, I mean, yeah, cool. I mean, if that's fine with Dr. Lambert. And she goes, please, call me Natalie. And my first thought was, you can take the memories out of the fuckboy. But you can't take the fuckboy out of the fuckboy. Because he looks at Natalie (laughs) and he's like, okay, Natalie. (laughs) Like, like, here comes the smolder. Because he's literally like... We're on a first name basis. And then he gives her a look that is absolutely like, oh, I'm hitting that. Like, I must already be hitting that. Yes. Mm-hmm. God, fucking yes. And now she's taking me home. I'm so excited. And Natalie gives him the same look back. In fact, in my notes, I put Natalie feels a stirring in her jellies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if it's all right with Dr. Lambert.
1: Please uh, call me Natalie. Natalie. Like, oh, yeah! Thank God I brought a change of underwear. So Nick says, (laughs) (laughs) Nick says, I'll keep trying, Captain. He doesn't say Captain. He's like Captain. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Reese goes, well, good. Like, yeah, cool. Um, you know, you do take your time. See if you can figure it out. I just want you to know we were all praying for you. Like a lot of people were praying for you to come through. And uh, you have to imagine it's like I wish you wouldn't. Like that might be why he (laughs) lost his memory.
2: Oh, yeah. Please stop that. Yeah. (laughs) It's blocking my feelings.
1: It's it's unhelpful. (laughs) And Tracy's back at the precinct. Um, She doesn't actually go home until like the very end of this entire episode. So she goes to this thing. Her partner gets shot. She's covered in blood. She witnesses her partner like almost die, really die, and then actually come back to life. And they just take her to an interrogation room. And they're like, cool, tell us everything that happened. And she's like, I, I'm so sorry. Like, I got nothing. And she's like, we went to the parade warehouse to meet an informant who had a tip on, um, oh, uh, the Yorkville Ripper. <laughs> oh, my God, nice you guys, back. that's a callback. That's a callback. They referenced
2: history of the show?
1: What? That's the one from the Bad Blood episode, the Jack the Ripper episode with... Uh, Patrick Sohulahan, like
2: the
1: most <laughs> the most Irish Irish man ever. I was like, "Oh my god, it's a meta joke because the next guy goes, "Oh yeah, everybody in their dog has a theory on that one." Oh my god, did Perry call? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just like, "Oh wow, look at that. They actually referenced something in un- cuz it's an unsolved case." Right. So, and it's like one of the few unsolved cases that we have. In fact, not the unsolved case in the entire show. Because otherwise they nail it. Whether they nail it through police work, occasionally, rarely. Um, Sometimes they they nail it through, um, they blunder so badly into the bad guy that the bad guy actually thinks they're onto them. And then they kidnap them and reveal themselves that way. Or sometimes... um, Sometimes they literally just stumble on the truth through no actual work of their own. Those are the three ways we solve cases. But apparently they have informants, and this one maybe knew something about the Yorkville Ripper. So, of course, Nick went. He was like, oh, maybe it's a vampire. I should probably go. And so uh, Tracy says, it seemed like a normal meet, but, like, it went screwy pretty fast. Like, we got in there, and we were like, this ain't right. Of course you were. It's dark, and it was full of large... Uh, foam cutouts of animals and clowns and shit and then shit went down pretty fast like there was a flash she goes I saw a glint of something maybe a weird costume I don't know I'm tired (laughs) I'm traumatized This is like last week I accidentally shot somebody in the line of duty. This week my partner got shot like I'm just having a bad month, guys. Then I got kidnapped by a serial killer. Um, And then there was that time that that talk show host tried to kill me. And they're like, actually, can we just sit down and talk about your record, (laughs) 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 Tracy? And Reese does try to get them to lay off. Uh, But they're like, no, we can't because the bullet your partner was shot with was a cop killer bullet. It was a Teflon coated.
2: Right, for going through body armor. Yeah,
1: for going through body armor. So this guy was specifically gunning for cops. We can't leave him out there if he's trying to kill cops. And while poor Tracy is going through all of this, Nick and Natalie go to the loft. And Natalie's a little smart when she walks in the loft like... I am so glad. I never bothered to take home that present I got for my 30th birthday, the really super inappropriate one that everybody got me, the <laughs> lingerie, because it was still in my desk drawer, and I just stuck it in my purse, and I am so fucking ready. <laughs> and Nick goes, oh, um, it's a little dark, isn't it? And she goes, that's how you like it. And this is really the moment where she could have gone, because you have a sun allergy and you don't go outside during the day. You were born that way. Look me in the eye. You were born that way. You also don't like crosses. It's an atheist. Thirty nine
2: years ago. You were born that way.
1: Yeah. Don't don't go outside during the day. You have a sun allergy. Instead of just being like, you have to trust and, me. And
2: you have some religious trauma.
1: You have religious trauma. So you also you, you light on fire in the presence <laughs> of crosses. <laughs> well, the last couple times It was very he traumatic.
2: <laughs> he just got like inflamed Burnt. skin.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's psychosomatic. Like yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but he does find a picture of them on the table and he's like oh this is us oh okay and she goes yeah you remember what that's from and he's like
2: nope
1: amnesia
2: <laughs> do you have it too do you-, <laughs> and she- do you suffer from short-term memory loss do
1: you suffer from short-term memory loss <laughs> But Natalie has a grocery bag. She has her coat, which she takes off, by the way. And then she has a grocery bag and she starts putting away groceries. And I made notes because she's like, (laughs) what do you bring? What,
2: What did she bring, Rachel? What do
1: you bring? I mean, what do you shop for? You're like, do I get meat or should he be vegetarian? Like if he ever drinks blood, will he go back to being a vampire should i stick to, should he be vegan like what do i do so she gets apples that's the first thing she okay. puts away and then she puts away a clamshell like a clamshell container or something red so it's either berries or strawberries or cherry tomatoes or something and then she puts away an entire either an entire thing of celery with the leaves or a single large leek. it's really
2: difficult <laughs> to say
1: and then this is the first time she puts away the loaf of bread Okay, and all of it goes in the refrigerator, including the loaf of bread. So if you didn't have proof, it's Canada that Natalie was a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> she put her loaf of bread in the refrigerator. She just shoves it in there too, and then like shuts the door. Like, there Although, you go. does and she whoo, really want
2: done. to have him eat apples because she wants?
1: Oh, we get that line.
2: Oh, an apple a day keeps yeah. the doctor away. Well, we get
1: that line. Yeah, you could just wait. Oh, okay. Well, it's a good one. It's a good one. I missed that part. Yeah. So she says, you know, those pictures are from last year's birthday. We went out to dinner. I ate. You didn't eat. It's a thing. No eat. No eat. <laughs> and she goes, do you remember which birthday? And he's like, uh, somewhere between 30 and 40. And she's like, you are so wrong. I can't even begin to tell you. And he's like, oh, my God, am I like 21 and I look like
0: this? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember which birthday that was? All right, let me guess. Um, Somewhere between 30 and
2: 40.
1: Oh, you are so far off. I cannot begin to tell
2: you. It's like There's a guy on Instagram that's... (laughs) He looks like he's in his mid-30s, but he's like, guys, I'm like 24.
1: Aw. You know. He
2: he said somebody contacted him. I was like, hey, it's great to see... Somebody making content like so youthfully, even in their forties, and I think it. They wanted him. They wanted to uh, sponsor him on some yeah. product and have him do like a sponsored thing. Yeah, and he's like, I'm not in my forties. <laughs> it's like, guys, do I look that old? Oh, it was hair dye. Oh no, it was hair dye. They want. They're like, whatever hair dye you're using. Like, hey maybe we can work out a deal where we get you hair dye and he's like I'm I'm like 25.
1: Well, as someone who was not allowed to wear sunscreen growing up, premature aging is a real thing. Okay, so we don't joke about it.
2: <laughs> right, that's why all the millennials look so ambiguously aged because yeah. all <laughs> the other of, ones. Most of us have worn sunblock our entire lives. Yeah,
1: I didn't until we got until we started dating. Yeah. Cuz I wasn't allowed to because and mom I thought have, I wanted I I have to, to or I'll die
2: mom thought i like i have a sun allergy
1: (laughs) (laughs) also known as being ginger (laughs) you walk outside god it burns us well i don't i have um what is it we have some friends Uh, maybe that's not a good joke to tell on the podcast but when she anyway i'm like the most european white lady in the world ever like i'm from america i am american but we did the like um genetic testing thing and Matt's was cool. Like, lots of different parts of the of the world were all lit up. You know, he had some Ashkenazi Jew, Sub-Saharan African, you're from here and over here. Legit only, your, like, England.
2: R- Rachel's just like the Iberian Peninsula, like France, Spain. Like, and then, tiny bits of it. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then, then like, UK. Whoop, England. Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: just like my ancestors sprang forth fully formed, like, from, from the, the English British channel. Isles. Like, we yeah. crawled out crawled up the like chalk cliffs and we were like, this is where we live now. And like nothing, nothing else. Literally just, just (laughs) European.
2: You were like 99.8% Northwestern European.
1: Yeah. Some... I'm ninety nine point nine percent European, one point one percent me. That's what I yeah. said. Yeah. Um, somebody at some point got spicy with somebody in the Iberian per- uh, Peninsula, and I can some, o-
2: some Spanish guy. On and a boat I can
1: only imagine it was a Spanish sailor up. who came to England, oh, and yeah, they were like, absolutely. "Okay, well, then you're here. I guess we can make this happen." At the point of the story is, I don't burn, I tan, and you would think I would burn given my descendants, but we were talking to a lady from Ireland. a friend like a my friend's very fun irish grandmother uh who just constantly tries to get you to drink and is amazing and she was like oh you're a black Scot," and then she got this look of horror on her face like she was too many irish creams in and it was just like that came out of my oh, mouth that, that was all heavy vodka drinks mm. anyway it's I was the, not remotely offended it's but... the
2: potatoes <laughs> it's look, <laughs> they, they I, I'm like i'm working potatoes. class okay the irish like the potatoes I'm in desi- all the forests. i'm
1: designed to work in the fields day in and day out i c- i maintain my resources i do not lose them i t- i tan i don't burn i'm literally designed for like heavy labor i just it's just who i am okay um and you know what it's fine I i've embraced that i have I literally don't care um but i just think it's hysterical that i'm literally the whitest person ever and um the same and now everybody knows unless i cut this out <laughs> Which I won't because I cut nothing out. Uh, so Nick and Natalie are at her his loft. Anyway, so he sits down at the piano. And he starts playing Moonlight Sonata. And Natalie's like, oh, do you remember what that's called? And he goes, mm, nope. But it's by Beethoven, right? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, that's really great. And he's like, yeah, it's really weird. Like, I remember playing that with a friend who was writing...
2: Who was hard of hearing.
1: No, no. He was writing stuff on his staff. And then he goes, with a quill. And Natalie gives this look like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> That's what you remember? And he goes, he was hard of hearing. It was really weird. Like, <laughs> so canonically, Nicholas de Bourbon <laughs> composed Moonlight Sonata. Yeah.
2: Or was it Fira Lise?
1: Mm, uh, do, 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 was it or no? I thought it was Moonlight Sonata that he plays, or was it for Elise?
2: I think it was for Elise.
1: Oh. I don't know. Either one. But on that note, she's like, well, I got to go to work uh, for a little bit because I can't let things pile up at my line of work it can get very unpleasant trust me this happened when he had this whole like meteor scare thing and there were legit like a bunch of bodies that came in and I had this whole mental breakdown it's a thing so I was not at work and when I got back let me just tell you not great so she <laughs> she knows the value of staying on top of uh, moving bodies through her morgue yeah yeah and he goes, oh, that's right. You're a doctor. And she goes, no, I'm a pathologist. And he's like, oh, OK. And so while she's talking to him, she like sneaks his bottle of blood out of the refrigerator <laughs> yeah. and sneaks it into the grocery bag. And she tells him, you know, eat if you're hungry. And he's like, yeah, I am actually really hungry because that hospital food tasted like shit. And she's like, yeah, it's
2: hospital well, she, food. And she you. brought him mostly red stuff.
1: That's true. And then she gives him an apple. She tosses an apple to him. And she goes, well, just remember, an apple a day keeps the coroner away. And he goes, but I wouldn't want that, would I?
0: Thanks. I'm a bit hungry. That hospital food was dreadful.
1: Just remember, an apple a day keeps the coroner
0: away. I wouldn't want to do that now, would I?
1: And she's like, I'll be right back. (laughs) My plan is working (laughs) so well. And so then she runs off like, yes. Just gonna do a couple things at work and then we come right back and it's gonna be great. And then we get a flying scene, which is not Nick obviously, because Nick has forgotten he can fly. And then we see Nick and he's going through uh, he's going through his house trying to figure out who he is. And he finds his gun in the desk and he loads his gun and when he like pushes the bullets in he has a brief flash of getting shot in the head. And then he spins around and draws the gun on Lacroix
2: because
1: Lacroix is standing behind him. And LaCroix goes, is that any way to treat your savior?
2: Savior. In
1: more ways than one, Nick, because you'd have been dead like hundreds of years ago. It wasn't for me. Also, I saved you recently. Listen, I'm a great guy, okay? <laughs> and Nick goes, how did you get in? And LaCroix just goes, I have a standing invitation. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And he butts his gun
2: down. <laughs> It seems we know each other. Yeah,
1: he goes, it's called the fact that you haven't boarded up the skylight. And I have to assume, if you didn't want me here, you would have boarded up the skylight. So as long as the skylight still exists, I have an open invitation. This is my this is my line of reasoning. I will accept no no
2: Actions speak louder than words. Even yeah. though you told me never to come back, you haven't closed the door.
1: Yeah. And I love how good of a job Gare does in this episode of seeming like a different person. Like, you believe he has no idea who he was and that this is who Nick would be without all of his baggage. A relentless flirt who literally immediately started getting into trying to get into the pants of the one woman who showed any amount of interest to him (laughs) in a cute, like, Oh, you're, I like you. You like, we have some chemistry. We've probably acted on it. Let's do that some more. Like I'm really enjoying being around you. And As soon as he sees LaCroix, he's like, oh, yeah, you're the doctor from the hospital. I remember seeing you there. Like, we must be friends. Like, it's great. I'm a friendly dude. I'm so glad. Like, I I feel like a friendly dude. And I have friends. Like, this is great.
2: I don't remember anything. But already I have two very good friends.
1: This is very nice. I have a nice apartment. I have nice friends. I'm so glad
2: I'm not a lonely person. (laughs) I must, who spends all my time alone? A,
1: an, and I protect people, which just feels right. I have a great life. <laughs> I'm this, so excited to remember everything. This that is the to me.
2: same personality shift that Nick got in the Native American mysticism episode when his guilt got taken. Oh,
1: very good point. Yes, that is a very good point. Good job. A little bit of consistency there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, but he says, "Oh, you're the doctor from the hospital," and the goes, "Oh, I'm much more than that." And he goes, doesn't the sensation you're feeling right now tell you that I'm more than that? And Nick's like, well, it's not the same sensation I have around Natalie. Is it? <laughs>
2: like, am, am I bi? Am I? <laughs> I could be. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I, I feel a tingling <laughs> deep somewhere. Yeah,
1: I got to there's a, there's a little bit, There's there's some stuff going on. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I mean, he's hot. This is fine. <laughs> And he says, we have a special relationship, which does not clear it up.
2: Like it doesn't clear it up for Nick at all. Laquan never clears anything up.
1: No, but he does say, I'm your oldest friend and we have been through so much together. And then he goes into his own flashback and it's him like rotting on this couch. (laughs) And then Nick shows up and Nick's like.
2: Which I, kudos for how like hard they leaned into the makeup i
1: fucking love this episode i love this episode so fucking much but yeah he's like rotting on this couch and nick walks by and he's like ah, it, he has this look on his face like i have to tell you i'm really enjoying seeing you like this <laughs> like <laughs> <sighs> how far the mighty fall and he goes uh nick can you like get this out like you'd be doing me a, or like a really big favor if you could just like you know i got a thing i got a thing right here in, in my chest. And Nick goes, Yeah, okay, how'd that get there? And was like, Oh, you know, I was um I was I was, I was grocery shopping. I was out grocery shopping and groceries fought back. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick is like, Oh, you were killing people on the battlefield again. And he's like, Semantics, can you just get this out? And he actually says, I wish you would remember that our relationship hasn't always been this difficult. Because Nick is like, I'll take it out, but then I'm leaving and you're not going to follow me this time, okay? And LaQua is like, okay.
2: The buddy system, Nick. He's like,
1: he's like, okay, but in his mind, he's like the fae. You can't make a deal with, <laughs> with, that, with LaCroix without having like 16 caveats. You need to be like, you cannot follow me for a minimum of three decades and when you do make contact, you cannot murder my friends. You must come and talk to me.
2: Repeat that back to me. Yeah. And then please explain any loopholes that you are aware of in this logic <laughs> oh you don't want
1: him to explain the loopholes because he never would he'd be like no it's solid it's perfect i can never come talk to you again well
2: like right now while while nick has leverage over Lacroix, it's like okay here's here are my conditions yeah now before i pull that out i want you to find three loopholes and explain it to me and i'm adding
1: yeah, I'm gonna add Extra some conditions Yeah,
2: to cover those loopholes. Yeah. Just to be a little extra thorough.
1: Yeah. He tells him, like, it's time I moved on. And then he goes, at least for a while. <laughs> He's like, uh yeah, well, you were the one that came back to me, Nick, is what LaCroix says. He's like, um, you're the one who came back this time. It wasn't the other way around. Like the last time we broke up, I found you, but this time you found me. Uh and I he says, Okay. But you really do like me. You just don't know you do.
0: Of course. I only hope that you will consider that you chose to remain with me for so long. Of your own volition. You really do like me. You just don't know that you do.
1: I love that line so much because to me, that's
2: the core it is like, of Lacroix's perception yes, of their his relationship. And Nick's relationship. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You like me, you're just not showing it. It's fine. Y- if you hated me, you'd kill me, and you haven't killed me, so you must like me. It's like if you didn't want me here, you would board up the skylight, <laughs> but you don't. It's all so... It's
2: all projection. It's like if I hate somebody, and I never want to see them again, I rip their head off and throw them in the ocean. You say that you hate me, but you have not even attempted- To kill me. To kill me. I mean, you did that one time,
1: but you didn't try very hard. you can't
2: mean it.
1: You can't mean it. This is all
2: just playing hard to get. And I get that.
1: It really feels like LaCroix doesn't know how to connect- On the same level as Nick, like Nick is human enough that he has human expectations for relationships, and LaQua does not, and so it's like oil and water trying to be friends. They can coexist, but they can't mesh. Like they can't, they can't see eye to eye. They aren't communicating. You
2: need you need yeah. I, I was going to say a surfactant. (laughs) 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> <But> <laughs> i like
2: mine better <laughs> like soap because yeah. it bonds to water and oil right maybe that's what jeanette, that's was. jeanette, is. jeanette was their she was their bridge of their and they don't and have water. it and
1: so he's like i really wish you would remember that you like me i know you like me because you haven't i mean there's that one time you tried to kill me where you like steak me and let me on fire but you didn't try hard because i were got feeling better.
2: emotional
1: you staked me in the stomach. You didn't try very hard. Right. It's fine. Look, I pushed you a little hard. I'll admit that. That's on me. Um, and I just won't do that again, okay? Yeah,
2: you lashed out because that's the only recourse I gave you. It was an
1: emotional bid. I get it. Like, I'm, I hear
2: you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we come back to the present and Nick is like, well, Um, yeah, I don't know who you are. I don't remember you at all. And Lacroix's like, well, that's cool. Like, we've got time. We've got a lot of time. For you to remember who I am. Um, And it's not so much who you are that you need to remember. It's what you are because you're special and you're a killer.
2: You have a special nature.
1: Yeah. And um, you need to go outside. Like if you don't believe me, that's fine. You don't need to believe me. But you could go outside and rediscover yourself for yourself. Like don't listen to Natalie. Go outside. Find out who you are.
2: Get some fresh air.
1: And this is when Natalie comes back and removes her coat for the do-do-do third time. That's <laughs> making a lot of... I've seen this episode a lot of times, so okay. I was like, I can pick this stuff apart. I can find little details because I... otherwise I could probably recite this from memory. <laughs> <laughs> but Natalie arrives and I want to point out that Natalie has actually never met LaCroix that she remembers. So she immediately recognizes who he is. She's like, oh, shit.
2: Well, in this context, yes. I would say in the hospital, it might be less likely yeah. that Natalie would recognize LaCroix for being LaCroix. Well, she
1: knows vampires on sight, so she could just know that's another vampire. That is
2: true. She yeah. has been able to recognize vampires on sight. Yeah. Uh, but walking into Nick's apartment with Nick and this older fella. Yeah. This, uh, what, what do they call it? Silver Fox. <laughs> Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like, oh, she knows exactly who this is.
1: She's like, oh, my God, I didn't know we were going to have a throuple situation. Keep it cool, Natalie, keep it cool.
2: (laughs) Channel Jeanette.
1: Yeah, what would Jeanette do? Oh, God, I don't want (laughs) to (laughs) know. So she's got more groceries. She's got two more bags of groceries. And she sets them on the table, and she's like, "Um, LaCroix, thank you for your help. Now get the fuck out! Like I'm. Um, thank you for helping me at the hospital. I appreciate the backup. Now I want you gone. And he's like, I mean, cool. I'll go, but um, I have to question your motives here. Like, are you gonna, are you gonna try and use this as an opportunity to redeem him? And she's like, get out! Cause poor Nick is over there. Like, what redeem me? What did I do? What? Did, what was it?
2: I don't get it. Guys?
1: (laughs) Guys? I thought we were all friends. Aren't you both my buddies? I thought we were all friends. (laughs) And she's like, leave. Just get out. And so he looks up at the skylight and she goes, by the door. I think you'd better leave.
0: By the door. Whatever you say, doctor.
1: He's like... Fucking fine.
0: So
2: he leaves. I'll play along.
1: But when they cut back over to Nick, Nick looks up at the skylight and then looks over, like, "Why did we all look at this?" <laughs>
2: it's like the those social experiments where people just stand on the corner and look up until yeah. there's a whole or crowd. Or stand of people in line. The, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. He looks up and then he gets this confused, like, "What? Well, I don't get. Uh, I was." Hey, I thought we were all together. Like, uh, he said we were special friends. Natalie and I are special friends. Aren't we all special friends? Like, can't we all have... A, where is he going? Come back, handsome man.
2: <laughs> that gave me tingling se- sensations.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and Natalie's like, woo! <laughs> Dodge that bullet. And then she just starts putting away groceries. And Nick is like, boy, I have questions. <laughs> I have so many questions. And he's like... He said I'm a killer. What does he mean I'm a killer? And she's like, I don't know. You're a cop. Like, sometimes you shoot at people. Sometimes they shoot at you. You don't miss. They do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. And he's like, okay, well, he said I had a special nature. What does that mean? And she stops and she's like, you don't have to believe anything that he said to you. I mean, that's a good life tip. Like, that's just a good blanket statement. But also... You don't have to believe anything he said to you does not answer any of his questions. And she should know Nick well enough at this point to know she needed to stop, sit down, and give him some explanation, even if it wasn't the full explanation. Right. It's like, I just stopped at the ATM the other day to get cash. And I was getting cash to pay somebody back who didn't have, like, I couldn't give him a check. I couldn't pay him with Venmo. I needed cash. And so my daughter was like, why are we here? I'm getting cash. Okay, what for? How much? And I was like, well, I'm getting this much to pay back this person because they helped me pay for this HVAC thing that happened. And they were there. I wasn't. So they paid. So I need to reimburse them. What's HVAC? So I had to stop and give a 15 minute dissertation on the situation so that she would know why we were there, why we were getting cash, who I was paying, how much I was paying. And I know my daughter well enough to know we could have gone back and forth like this for hours where she would just pop up with more questions or I could sit down and explain it and we would be done with it. So I did that and she was like, "Okay, okay." Well, that's all Nick wants. He wants Natalie to stop and be like.
2: Explain things thoroughly.
1: That guy is not well. And he's trying to draw you into something. He's that been
2: psychologically manipulating you for most, really, for most for most of your life.
1: For a really long time. Yeah. And you were getting out of it and you were getting away from him and you are trying to heal your trauma from him. And um him coming here was kind of not cool. And I want you to kind of forget anything that he said because it's not healthy, okay? And instead, she's just like, let me put the... In fact, assume
2: he was lying.
1: Yeah, just assume he was lying to you because he's trying to manipulate you. And he's like, well, but she doesn't do any of that. She's just like, no, no, don't believe him. And he's like, but he said he was my oldest friend. And Natalie's like, I'm just, I can't, I'm not receiving this right now. So she takes out a pack of tortillas and another bag of bread, which is actually the same bag of bread that she put in the refrigerator earlier. And she grabs it in the middle. She goes, yoink, and grabs the bag of bread in the center. She's stressed. Oh, my God. And then she goes over and shoves all of that in the refrigerator. And that's all she takes out of her grocery bag. So she got him apples, some sort of berry, celery, just like a whole thing of celery, and bread. Um, that's it. And then she refuses to answer any of his questions. And she just goes, you have to trust me okay i'm like i will trust you if you tell me anything but you're not telling me anything you're just like trust me okay what am i trusting your existence i don't get it and she's like you have to trust me oh yeah and i just remembered don't leave this apartment no matter what you do and he's like where would i go he doesn't answer she says promise me promise me you will not leave this apartment and he does not promise her that he will not. Which leave. is a
2: totally Nick move. It's
1: a total Nick move. He goes, why would I leave? And she's like, listen, this is where she actually stops. And she's like, I'm not going to answer your questions, but I'm going to give you a brief summary here. Uh, we've been trying to make a change. You've been trying to make a change for a long time. And this might be our chance to do it. Okay. And he's like, um, what change is that? And she goes... I mean, it just feels like we're finally getting somewhere and you have to trust me. You have to trust me. And she like walks over to the mantelpiece and he follows her over and he's like super close to her face. And she goes, you have to go slowly with me. I mean, I mean, we have to go slow. And he's like, I can do slow. <laughs> but you have to trust me. You have to go slowly with me. We, we both take this slowly
0: we what do you mean by we do we have a relationship no
1: no we're just friends (laughs) and then he goes what do you mean by we do we have a relationship? And she's like, no, no, no. You gave me a card that said with affection. And he's like, shit, I was a dick. And she's like, yeah, that was a dick move.
2: <laughs> I will never <laughs> let
1: the with affection go.
2: Yeah, yeah. Look, at here's the birthday card you gave me. Yeah,
1: yeah. And here's the flowers you yeah. gave me um, when you went turned into a raging asshole. And here's the flowers you gave me the last time you were a raging asshole. And then I just dry the flowers, and then I mark them with what you did. <laughs> and then I stick them <laughs> to my wall. And she goes, um we have a, we have a a unique relationship because he goes, you know, when I first saw you, like I knew we had a connection. I could tell, like you gave me special feelings. And she's like, well, you know, we have a unique relationship. And he goes, why? And she's just like, I I don't, I don't know. And he goes, is it important? And I put in my note, sex hammer, (laughs) 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 which credits credit Meg for sex hammer. Um, Via another fan who referred to him as having a sex hammer. (laughs) It's like just right between the eyes because she's like, uh, no, what? I don't understand. (laughs) Because he just,
2: because he wants, he likes to nail things.
1: Yeah. And so this is a moment where we maybe will have a little bit of a debate because there's a slight debate in the community, maybe in my own mind, about whether or not they actually have sex. Do we think they have sex? Because from here okay, so we fade to black.
2: They kiss, fade to black. Yep. Usually making out, fade to black
1: is is sex. is
2: is sex. Yeah, and then we get
1: then we, we get, get his Nick's dream,
2: dream where yep. immediately after the fade to black we get bare shoulder Natalie
1: dream. He has a sex dream.
2: He has a sex dream. Yeah, and and then we get Natalie waking up on the couch. Yeah. So in in an interview that Gare did, he explained that vampires can do the physical stuff.
1: Is this the Playgirl episode? The Playgirl article?
2: Oh, I wasn't gonna.
1: Oh, we're gonna it, do a special episode on the Playgirl article. But yeah, but that there not were questions really
2: about vampire sex, and so Gare was explaining that vampires can do the human physical stuff, mm-hmm. but it's not as fulfilling or
1: it's not all they it's not as
2: sensational combo as actually drinking blood yeah and so like the whole nick and jeanette drinking each other's blood when they get riled up that's the whole thing
1: yeah that's all they need
2: that's all they need but they can do the the regular human physical stuff yeah so if gare is He's full up on blood from Natalie's blood bag. Yeah.
1: He's, he's got a little
2: extra mojo from LaCroix blood. Yeah. So he's not really hungry. And well, then, he doesn't know
1: that that's what that hunger is. Right.
2: And then he doesn't even know if that hunger was strong, he wouldn't even know that it was for blood. Right. So it's totally feasible that Fuckboy Nick would be like, yeah, we're getting it on and take her to bed. I
1: mean, they're both adults. They're and both in their 30s. Th- yeah. They clearly have chemistry. They're alone together.
2: She is broadcasting that she wants this.
1: This feels consensual on both sides.
2: Yep. And so for for them to have sex. Yeah. And then and then she goes to sleep on the couch is like totally plausible. Right. And even if he's not as sated as he could be, he wouldn't know any better.
1: Right. This kind of, to me, that's why I like to think of this episode as like a moment out of time. Almost like a non-canonical episode. Because one, we're never going to reference the fact that he lost his memories at really... Ever again, because it's implied at the end that he doesn't get them back and that LaCroix is the one who supplies him with all of his memories. And how much do we think LaCroix didn't tell the fucking truth so that he could get this guy on his side? A hundred percent. He did not tell the fucking truth. So we can't rely on LaCroix being the one who like filled in all the gaps. 800 years worth of stories when he wasn't even there for a good portion of them. Mm -hmm. So uh, we don't really come back to this. Ever again, which means that we can kind of... To me, I feel like I can separate it out because there are events that will happen later in the third season which imply that they never have been intimate or won't be intimate. And I hate to think that that this opportunity didn't pan out the way I wanted it to. Like, I I like to think that Natalie got this moment. Mm -hmm. And so, for me, I go with yes because I like to think that whether or not it affects what happens for the rest of the season, doesn't matter. Now we got this one moment with effectively human Nick. Yeah. Where they got to be together.
2: Or as Meg would say, she got that dick.
1: Yeah, she got that dick. <laughs> <laughs> for just this moment. Yeah. Just this moment. And this isn't the Nick that we're, this isn't really Nick. It's not.
2: This is, this is.
1: Uh, raw Nick?
2: Raw, um
1: <laughs> Uncooked?
2: Pre-vamp Nick?
1: Yeah, this is Nick, who Nick would be without any life experience. Yeah. And without the vampire hanging over him, without any of that, He just gets to be himself, and himself wants Natalie, and I really hope she cashed in that check. That's all I'm saying. So Nick goes immediately from this makeout session slash bang session, whichever one you want to go with by the mantelpiece which ended with natalie falling asleep on the couch which maybe they had sex on the couch she fell asleep and he just got up and went to his bed
2: mm-hmm. very possible be. it is right in front of the fireplace it
1: is it's right there and so he goes if upstairs. this had taken
2: place 20 years earlier it would have been on the <laughs> on the... the fur rug in front of the fireplace it's like
1: the horrible 70s movies i put you through <laughs> Uh, so Nick's sex dream is Natalie with bare shoulders, so implied nude Natalie. I want to point out, however, that Nick is wearing his bathrobe.
2: Pulled up tight.
1: Pulled up, like cinched. <laughs> like, <laughs> ain't nothing getting out. He is, even in a sex dream, he is not nude. And he like, at first they're like making out and she's like, take me, turn me, like Let's make this happen. And so he bites her and it pans out and LaCroix is watching them <laughs> um, in a cuckold situation, I guess. I don't know what you <laughs> want to call this. I don't know. It's a, I mean, this is a, uh, okay. I don't know. I don't want to get into like Threpple. Like what? I don't oh, want. Th- this would
2: just be like a voyeuristic thing.
1: Yeah. Which is a, like a thing that there are. There are people for whom that is what is satisfying. There are people so, who like
2: to watch. There are people who like to be watched.
1: And apparently in, La- in his sex dreams, LaCroix is watching. And I'm just going to put that on the table, okay? I'm I could gonna... totally
2: see LaCroix wanting to watch. I don't know that Nick would want to be watched. But... Does
1: he have a choice? Or does he just show up maybe? <laughs> Mid whatever. And he's just like, fucking LaCroix back. Shh, don't don't look. Don't just don't look over there. Okay, fine, okay.
2: But, but then Lacroix hypnotizes Natalie so that Natalie thinks she can't see LaCroix. So Natalie's like, What are you let's why are go, you distracted? On. Like there's nobody else here. Just let's get on with this.
1: Anyway, it's a sex dream. It doesn't matter. I'm just gonna lay that on, on the table. That's a thing that happened. And apparently it was fine with him because they they proceeded even with him like dramatically lit in the background. And then he like pops awake and he has this really like shook look on his face. Like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> like, oh, my God. What is in my head? Oh, Jesus. He's like, those are my buddies. <laughs> Why were <laughs> well, both my th- buddies in my dream? OK,
2: so from his his like limited psyche his, yeah. his brain spanking new consciousness.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> he only has two close personal connections in right. the world. Yeah. And, he and just so had a he sex has dream a dream. About both of them. He has a dream and he's integrating these relationships as he perceives them. And his brain threw up something weird. Yeah. But it's not unusual. It's not surprising that it involved the only two like close personal connections well, that he's Well, he made. seems
1: surprised. He is
2: yeah.
1: shook when he wakes up. And he's like, there's oh, yeah, only th- one thing to do, and that's investigate It's definitely disturbing, yeah. but it's
2: not surprising that the two other people in his dream were the two other yeah. like friends that he's met since yeah. he woke up.
1: And he's like, honestly, there's only one thing that I could possibly do in that situation, and that's leave. Just like I told Natalie. I didn't actually promise that I wouldn't, so...
2: He just said, where would I go?
1: Right. He's like, well, now I know where I'm going. Now I got a place to be. So he gets his gun, which I have to question letting the amnesiac police officer keep his weapon, but that's fine. And so he gets his gun and he goes out and he's driving because he can still drive. So that's nice. And he remembers what station the nightcrawler is on. That or every single button on his radio is set
2: to (laughs) (laughs) the (laughs)
1: nightcrawler. Or as Matt implied, maybe he's not on the radio at all. Maybe he just shows up in Nick's head.
2: A proposal I made to Rachel was regarding the Nightcrawler, maybe when Nick is just driving in his car, listening to the Nightcrawler, maybe it's not always on the radio. Sometimes it's on the radio. Like, Skanky could hear hear the Nightcrawler sometimes. Natalie's come into Nick's apartment when he's listening to it on his stereo system. So we know he does actually broadcast at some point. Yeah. Sometimes. But it's oddly convenient that every time Nick is driving- LaCroix's on. La on. Yeah. The Nightcrawler's on. Unless he's so got maybe, him on tape. Maybe sometimes LaCroix is just broadcasting psychically directly into Nick's head.
1: Uh, maybe LaCroix's recording himself on tape and then he just finds Nick's car and changes the <laughs> tape out. God damn it, LaCroix. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, the, the car's turned off. He just sticks the tape in and presses the play button. So yeah. that way when it turns on, it auto plays.
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you used to do in your friend's car. Like you'd, turn the, you'd put play and then you turn the volume all the way up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's listening to the Nightcrawler podcast in the car as he's driving to the Parade Warehouse without having to look up directions or call anybody or talk to anybody at all. And it's like, hi, friends. I'm the Nightcrawler. I'm your Balm and Gilead, is what he says. He goes, this one is for lost friends. The way back for one is the way back for all.
0: Bonsoir, mes amis. Oui, c'est moi, the Nightcrawler. And I'll be with you until the sun rises, keeping you company, soothing your confusion, your balm in Gilead. Tonight's meditation is dedicated to lost friends, lost from each other, lost from themselves. And the simple fact is, the way back for one is the way back for the other. For we must never forget what we are or whom we came from. This is our lifeblood. Our nourishment,
2: without it, we wither and
0: become nothing.
2: <laughs> I'm imagining Nick getting in the car and being like, hey, this guy sounds familiar.
1: I've okay, I listened to this guy. I
2: must listen to him a lot. Well, maybe he's Wait, a- Wait, was this my friend? Oh my <gasps> Am God! I listening to my friend on oh the my radio? Oh he has a Whoa! radio
1: program. Oh man, I should have gotten his autograph. Maybe I, I, I didn't know my friend autograph. was famous. Oh, I love my friends. <laughs> And LaCroix says Never forget where you came from (laughs) Which Is a commonly quoted line For Matt and I There's a Is it Uh, Zoe, what's her name? Zoe. Zoe
2: Saldana. Yeah, is in a movie where she's like an assassin or something.
1: Columbiana, I think. But the preview for it just repeated "Never Forget Where You Came From." So we were in
2: this like sotto voce. "Never
1: Forget Where You Came From," and it's like five (laughs) times in the trailer for it, and we saw it in the movie theater. It was really impactful. Yeah, we're like, "Never Forget Where You Came From." God, that was years ago. Yeah, probably like a decade or more, and yet still, "Never Forget Where You Came From." And so Tracy's looking at mugshots because poor fucking Tracy has still never gone home. And she actually doesn't get to interact with Nick at all after he wakes up. She doesn't see Nick in this entire episode. She sees him shot and then never again. And uh, Reese is like, listen, can we chill out with this? Because, like, you aren't getting anywhere. You're just spinning your wheels. What do we have to lose from sending her home and letting her rest? And then we go back to Nick, because he's arrived at the warehouse to investigate. (laughs) I put in my notes, good thing he still has Toronto memorized. (laughs) Um, And then he goes into the warehouse, and it does this, like, thing where it zooms around his head as he's remembering whatever happened in the warehouse, but it must be uncomfortable because there's this, like, screeching, screaming noise as it's swirling around his head. And so in my notes, I put, the amount of screaming you should hear in your head at any given time is zero. (laughs) (laughs) because it's just like "Ah!" because he's just like you know it's like a traumatic event he walks in and like all of these memories start coming back and he's a blank slate so it must feel terrible and he gets caught by the security guard uh, because he's standing there like holding his head and this is a closed crime scene and he looks awfully suspicious. And she's like, "Um, what are you doing here? This is a protected crime scene. A cop got shot here. And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm the cop who got shot here. And he actually goes and gets his badge and she's like, slowly. So she takes the badge out and hands it to her. And he sounds so tired. This whole scene, he just sounds like, ugh. Like I am just having a really hard day. I just, ugh. And but can I just say you look delicious? Because she's talking to him and he just he's like bull, 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 bull. <laughs> and he like looks at her throat and then he like turns away and vamps out like oh my god like he can't he's so hungry it just overcomes him and then he has to like reel it back because she's like are you okay and then he turns around and he's back to normal again. And this is another scene that I really like in this episode, which is probably why I watched it a bunch, which is the like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. The like, I'm walking this really fine line. I don't even know what this line is. I don't know what's on the other side of this line because no one will tell me. Right. But for a minute there, I wanted to eat you. And I don't know what that means. I'm
2: having weird intrusive thoughts right now. (laughs) I need to call my therapist.
1: I don't know her number, but... (laughs) <laughs> and I don't have a cell phone, so it's not saved in there. And she's like, okay, well, you look like shit. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'm tired. I got shot in the hand. Can you just go? And she's like, okay, but like, are you going to be all right? And he's like, okay, I'll see myself out. And so as soon as she walks away, he turns around and goes out in the, like the emergency exit, but the sun has risen. So it's a real good thing he didn't take her up on her offer for him to walk out because yeah. this guy would have showed up at this protected crime scene Given him, given her his badge, said he was the one who got shot in the head and miraculously came back to life. And then, as soon as they went out into the sun, he would have burst into flames.
2: (laughs) Yeah. He (laughs) would have been a real bad day. He needs to go outside like he needs a hole in the head.
1: Yeah. (laughs) God, you are on a (laughs) roll. The smirk, the like, mm hmm. It's the same smirk that Natalie got the like, oh yeah, I am on it today. God, honey. So Natalie wakes up back at the apartment. She must sense a disturbance in the forest because she sits up and it's like, my hair. <laughs> her, her, her hair still looks amazing. It doesn't even look like she slept. And she's wearing like six layers. She's got like a shirt and a bat. It must be cold in there. I wonder if he only it, has the fireplace for heat. It is Toronto. It's Shut up. Um, and they're always wearing coats. So it must be winter in Toronto just constantly. So Natalie wakes up. And she's like, oh, I had a really great night. And then she's like, oh, shit, the windows are open. Nick? Nick? And then she pushes the button to close the blinds just as Nick, like, comes in the not-an-elevator. Wrapped in a blanket, which he must have accosted a poor person experiencing homelessness and (laughs) taken their blanket and been like, I need this more than you do. And then just run off. And he like collapses on the ground and actually rewound it a couple of times because he makes this really weird sound. He goes like, Like, he makes this like, oh, God, like in pain sound. Um, And he falls on the ground and she's like, oh, why'd you go outside? I should have caught that you didn't promise you wouldn't go outside. And she's like, we were so close, because he starts going, what am I? Like, he's angry, justifiably angry, because this was important information, and all she did was like, listen, do me a favor, and if you need anything, let me know and I'll go out and get it for you. Don't leave the apartment. She did not explain he would fucking burst into flames if you walked outside. So he is Upset, And he's actually a little bit physical with her in this moment. Like he grabs her by the shoulders and he's like, what am I? What could be so horrible that you won't tell me what I am? And she's like, oh, we were so fucking close. Why do you have to be the way you are? (laughs) And he goes, because I remembered that I sensed the shooter before I saw them. And that means something, doesn't it? What does that mean? And he, like, pulls her into a hug. Like, pulls her up against his chest. And then he, like, stops for a minute and then he pushes her back out again. So it's like, boop, boop. Like, he just slams her into his chest. And then he's like, I remember what he looked like. I remember what the shooter looked like. I got to go. I got to go help. And she's like, you can't go anywhere until the sun goes down. And he's like, why? Like, did you? Were you there when you burst into flames like five minutes ago?
2: Did you already forget again? Can
1: you like put those two together? Maybe that's why. And she goes, oh, because you're a vampire. And he's like, I'm a what now? (laughs) Because you're a vampire. And he's like, oh, shit. And Tracy finally gets to go home. And she's having a snack. And she hopefully had a nap. And she gets a call from the bad guy. Because remember, there's a bad guy they were supposed to be catching. Yeah. Yeah. And... This is the weirdest phone call. And uh, Tracy goes, who is this? And the guy says, not important, which truer words, honestly, not important, <laughs> not important. He's like, do you believe in Jimmy? Because Jimmy believes in you. Jimmy also believes in Santa Claus. And <laughs> that literally says, Jimmy believes in Santa okay. Claus. And Tracy's like, uh, okay. And he's like, Jimmy's going to believe in you down by the docks tonight the concrete docks or whatever and she's like okay so she writes concrete docks harbor on her little legal pad well good thing she couldn't remember that without writing it down because that's good later when we need to figure out where she is because of course she doesn't actually tell anybody that the bad guy contacted her or that he gave her a meeting point or that she might need backup or any of that like she didn't just see her partner get shot and she doesn't realize that the situation is serious and so then we come back and Nick is sitting at his table and he's like I'm all better, I'm all better, right? Like, look at my face. My face is all better. Is that normal? And Natalie's like, Yeah. Why do you think you didn't die when you got shot in the head? He's like, Because I didn't really get shot in the head. She's like, No, he really got shot in the head. He's like, But you said I didn't get shot in the head. And she goes, I lied. (laughs) (laughs) She just says, I lied. And he's like,
2: I lied to psychologically manipulate you, just like LaCroix. Shh. (laughs) <laughs> to form a Mm-mm. closer, Uh-oh. more personal
1: nope.
2: Nope. friendship, no nope. nope. relationship nope. Nope. with a dick?
1: No. Nope. I-, I will hold with none of this. <laughs> 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 mm.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not there's receiving some, that right there's now. There's some parallels here. <laughs> no, there's not.
1: It's not. There's no parallels. They're not even on the same grid. Get out of here. Okay. So he's like, How long? How long have I been a vampire? And she's like, mm, seven. 167 years and he's like oh so oh, like a while then <laughs> yeah like a while and he goes natalie is this what makes you so sad
0: natalie is this is what i am the thing that makes you so sad
2: it's what's kept us apart
0: but we're together now
1: like that's his first question, not like how did I get to be this way? But just like, "Oh, is this why you're sad? Cuz I'm a vampire and you're not?
2: Is this the thing that's keeping us apart?" Is
1: this? Yeah. And she that's what she tells him. She goes, "It's kept us apart, like it's why we're not together." And he's like, "Yeah, well, tell that to little Nick after lesson." <laughs> <laughs>
2: Or is it big Nick? Or is it
1: big Nick? Uh, can, can we go do that again right now, actually? And she's like, no, no, Shh. Put the sex hammer away. Like, We can't have the relationship we want, Nick. It won't work that way. And he's like, pretty sure it works just fine. <laughs> and then he gets up like, oh, God, this is so traumatic for all involved. And he gets up and he, like, collapses. And Natalie does the, like... <sighs> like exasperated, <laughs> like tries. She's like, "Get up, come on, get sit in the seat." She like manhandles him into the seat, and then she goes over and pours the blood from the already open bottle. She doesn't have to open that bottle, which means the blood's just been sitting open on the counter. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's fine. So he chugs it, um, rather appreciatively, and she's like, "But you don't normally drink that. You drink cow blood. Uh, you haven't had human blood." In weeks, like a while, you haven't had human blood in a while, and he's like, "Oh, okay." So he like sticks the whole end of his bo- the bottle in his mouth, and he's like, <laughs> like tips it back, <laughs> um, and then he puts it down, and then gives her this look that's like, "Oh no, I really am a vampire, aren't I?" Like, I really liked that. <laughs> I'm so sorry because it's this like doe-eyed look, like, "Oh shit." It's all true. And so the guy who called Tracy, not that it matters, is Leon Sharp. And we know that because Nick IDs him. Mm
0: -hmm. Because
1: he doesn't tell her his name. He just tells her that Jimmy believes in Santa Claus, which doesn't give us all that much information. And Reese recognizes him. He's like, oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy's brother got killed in a shootout like a couple of years back. And the captain that shot him was Tracy's dad. So this is a revenge thing. Well, good. I'm glad that Reese was there and that Reese knew all of that very... You know what? It's because To tell us
2: the non-important plot information. I
1: think Reese has a bunch of like police commissioner trading cards that he's made for himself. (laughs) And he's like, that's his most coveted one. He's like, I've got three copies of (laughs) Vetter. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's like other people are into like baseball stats or hockey stats. Yeah. And he's into police stats.
1: Yeah. Because... It it fits with his overall, like, he's the political captain. He's the captain who's on the rise and trying mm-hmm. to be on the rise. And we cut to Tracy, and Tracy's at the cement docks, and it doesn't really matter. She gets shot at, and the guy's like, it's nice to meet you. And she goes, pleasure's all mine. Like, okay. We had some witty banter. I don't know. This is just to, like, this was to get Nick shot in the head and then wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. And Nick is back looking for Tracy again. And luckily he remembers he can fly. He goes to his car and then he's like, hmm, that guy looked at the skylight like maybe he could fly. I kind of feel like I could probably do that. And then he flies off and he flies to her apartment. So luckily he both knows where her apartment is and remembers how to get there via the air. And he finds the note that she that she helpfully left was like meeting bad guy tomorrow at 10 concrete docks harbor. And he's like, oh, I wonder where she could be. (laughs) So he like flies off again and then blah, blah, Tracy, blah, blah, Leon, blah, 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 blah. No one cares. And then some barrels explode, which kind of sounds expensive. We must yep. have had a lot of explosives because the whole back like thing with LaCroix, um, which we didn't actually cover, but he does pull the thing out of LaCroix's chest and then he gives LaCroix his blood. He does mm-hmm. the same thing that LaCroix does in the well, He doesn't hospital. do
2: wrist to wrist. He just pours it in LaCroix's mouth.
1: Right, because LaCroix's awake. Yeah. And they must have had explosive leftover because there's quite a few fires on the battlefield in the like Bolshevik Revolution <laughs> where mm-hmm. they are. Um and Nick like uses this distraction to land on the walkway and then he like <laughs> like knocks like hisses at Leon and Leon gets knocked off and falls down and he's like well, that wasn't actually that bad and then he flies off. And what does he tell Natalie? Oh, it's fine. I killed him. I'm back now. Like, I already take care of that. Like, can we talk about how I'm a vampire again? Like, am I a killer? Seriously? I'm a killer? Like, <laughs> like he didn't just go and kill that guy. <laughs> right. um, and then we well, go the, to...
2: The guy got surprised and fell down. Yeah.
1: It was weirdest. As... No, he pushes him.
2: He well, pushes I'm, him off. because he
1: like... Okay. Uh, yeah, I was... Yeah.
2: <laughs> Making up. He a, got surprised a story. by
1: me putting my hands on his chest and <laughs> pushing him backwards. So then we go to LaCroix and LaCroix's podcasting, but we have this really weird camera angle where that's like directly <laughs> in front of his face. It's very curiouser and curiouser, the like uh, odd angle. Because remember in Curiouser and Curiouser, we did the like above LaCroix and then he had mm-hmm. the itty bitty tiny little coffee cup. Yes. Well, it's kind of like that, but just directly on his face. And we get the like flashback to the raven lighting of old the like purple greenish bisexual lighting that they used to have <laughs> in the raven. And Lacla's like, all's well that ends well, although it never really does end for some of us, does it? <laughs> and this is what he says when you have a friend in the night crawler, who needs enemies? Which I was thinking about updating our uh, I'm working on more merch and I was thinking about updating our nightcrawler. One, uh, Mm -hmm. to put, like, when you have a friend in the Nightcrawler who needs enemies. Yeah. And we come back to Nick and Natalie. And Nick is like, listen, uh, you just got to bear with me. Like, we can get back to that thing that we had. Like, that was good and I liked it. I think we could get back there. But, like, I need a minute to figure out who I am and to figure out what all this means. And, you know, I think I know who I need to go to to get all the answers. And she's like, well, I know I can't fill in all the blanks. Because I haven't known you that long. So, you know, go. Go to your manipulative evil master. I'm sure that he will help you become a better person. That's fine. Just go ahead. Go ahead. It's fine. Um, and so, I mean, what what else can she do? She can't. He apparently wants answers. He'll stop at nothing to get them. She can't give them to him. Only LaCroix can. So, fine. You just have to trust that Nick will remember enough that LaCroix can't take him in. Be like, we have traveled together all 800 years, we are, like, bros. And I mean, like, bro, bro. Like, we're best friends. Like, everything I tell you to do, you do. You don't question me. You just follow me. We're, like, best friends. Like that's what best friends do.
2: Every week, I call you up and say, hey, party time. And you know exactly what that means. Yeah. And you're here in, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. And we go out and we... We party. We paint the town red. <laughs>
1: Oh, we do? Oh, okay. That that feels right. <laughs> but, you know, he walks in, like Nick walks into the Raven, and he walks past a bunch of fish, which I thought was really funny because we went to see, when we went to Salva, which is the restaurant that is currently in the location where the original Raven was filmed, mm-hmm. um, they had fish hanging from the ceiling. And so the fish here.
2: Right. These the ones are on fish. like yeah. posts. Yeah. In In some kind of like decorative border I very or whatever. Much doubt
1: it was a callback, but the fish was a, a, a hysterical irony. There was no, oh man, we didn't go to the raven. That's why I was going to say there was no beefcake booty short in this episode. There was no Veshon. <gasps> Maybe that's why I like this episode. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> he walks in and Lacroix's like, oh Nick, this can't possibly be a social call. Is it an urgent police matter? And you got a feel for Lacroix in that moment because like he likes Nick. We know that because he said several times, like, if you die, I would miss you. Like, I'd miss you for, like, a whole week. Like, (laughs) I would feel sad if you were gone. And, like, he he obviously likes him in some way because he refuses to let him go. Like, he refuses to let their relationship go. Does he handle trying to get him back well? No, not at all. But is it well-meaning from his perspective? Yes. And yet the only time that Nick even wants to have anything to do with him is when he needs him for work. Yeah. And so he shows up and it's like, I mean, I saved your life and I tried to help you, but whatever, what the fuck ever are you here? Cause you've got like, you're solving a case or whatever. And he's like, no, um, I figured that the only person who could tell me who I was is my oldest friend. And he's like, well, the sun's coming up. So you're going to be stuck here. And he's like, I'm aware. And he's like, Okay, well, it's going to take a long time. And he's like, yeah, I'm told we have eternity. And he goes, good. Like, I'm glad Natalie told you that. um, Because your story is a long one. And that's where we leave it. It's just like, they're going to have some good dad-son bonding time. (laughs) Um, Like friends. They're more like friends. like Yeah. I know. He literally made himself a friend, but then didn't know how to keep him. Yeah. So... I like this episode so much i think it's because to me it just feels like an outlier it's kind of like curiouser and curiouser we're curiouser and curiouser yes they're all sort of short stories but some of them are more successful than others and this was such a fun exploration of what it would be like if nick had no baggage Mm -hmm. like what could nick be how could how would nick move through the world If he had no idea where he had come from. If he thought he was like a mid-30s police officer dude who was good at his job. Yeah. And I think they pull it off really, really well. And I think they pull off all of the interactions really well. And I think that it ends up making the reveal, like having to tell him he's a vampire and then having to have him go and learn all of the terrible things that he has done, like As bittersweet as it should be. Like, yes, he has the right to his memories, but what would that be like to come back and be like, oh, I'm a good dude. I I got hurt saving my partner. Okay, well, let me tell you about the hundred two to three hundred thousand odd people that you've murdered over the last 800 years. Take a seat at the bar. We've got plenty of time. Oh, and then that's how you killed that lady. Oh, and then there was this one time you got really creative with some toothpicks. (laughs) Like, like how did that story go? Like, how did that go? Because there was a time in Nick's life where he was not... He was just...
2: He was a monster. He
1: was a monster. And so he has to learn all about that, too. And then he has to learn about, like, all the... All the times that LaCroix tricked him.
2: Yeah. My interpretation is that Nick is, like, piecemeal getting some memories back. And... And he doesn't have to, like, relearn his entire history. He just needs, like, a reminder f- to recall the memory.
1: Yeah. I mean, but just how shitty would that be? Like, you're Matt. You wake up one morning and you're like, ah, I got a good girlfriend. I got a good job. And then throughout the course of the day, you're like, shit. I think I'm an 800-year-old vampire. Ooh, did I kill him? How many people have I killed? Oh my God. Did I kill somebody like that? That, oh no, that's fucked up. Is that me? Shit. I,
2: I can't believe I could have done something like that.
1: Yeah. Oh God. And so you have to relive all that trauma all over again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like this episode. It feels very small, very micro, I think, because there's not a lot going on. It's really just the characters. Yeah. And, of course, the characters are my favorite. They're what make the episode. Do the plots make the episode? Almost never. Almost never. (laughs) Do the characters make it? Yes. Fucking yes. That's why I watch this show. And this is my favorite version of Lacroix, the, like, bittersweet psychopath (laughs) who...
2: The buddy system.
1: (laughs) Who just doesn't know how to connect with the people that he wants to connect with and doesn't even have the tools in his toolbox to figure it out. He can't cobble together a personality that Nick will like. He doesn't want to. He just wants Nick to like him for him. Uh, right. But it just never seems to happen. And we're going to get it a little bit. We're going to grow on that from here on out. And so that's what I really love. Because we get more growth of their whole dynamic in the next episode. So I'm excited to get to that one. But Bittersweet. Just like Nick's returning memory, because every episode we cut from here on out is the second half of season three, which is the last season ever of Forever Night, until we reboot it, which I just need anybody, whoever knows who holds the rights, just go ahead and sign them over to me. I know exactly what we need to do. I've already got a good team together. <laughs> just We're going to make this happen, okay? All right.
2: Maybe Garrett can be the police captain.
1: I want, no, okay, here's what. (laughs) So, my joke, not joke, is I think if you ever rebooted this, you have to bring Gare back as the LaCroix character.
2: Oh.
1: Just straight as LaCroix. Don't change the character. Just make Gare be LaCroix. The actor that plays the
2: LaCroix character. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then you could have Nigel as like the police captain.
2: Uh, Unless he's retired. Uh, He
1: probably, I don't know what he's he's doing. I, I. I hope he's doing wonderful and I hope he's doing having a great time at whatever he's doing. I know Kath Disher is because she does a lot of Hallmark stuff mm-hmm. and she gets to be like quirky and funny, which is when she looks like she's having the most fun being Natalie is when she gets to be like a fun character and not the like, I'm traumatized and dramatic. And...
2: Or I'm here purely for exposition.
1: In last episode, somebody tried to take my heart. <laughs> like... <laughs> So and it wasn't Nick. <laughs> it wasn't Nick. Actually, uh, Catherine Disher is going to be at a um, con in Florida at the beginning of February.
2: Orlando, Orlando, Florida. So yep. if you're
1: anywhere around Orlando, um, she's going to be there. So
2: it's like February first.
1: I think so. Like first through the third, something like that. Yeah. So I'm really excited. We're going to drive down and see her. So I'm stoked. Then I'll have met Nick and Natalie. I'll remember meeting Natalie, one hopes. If I don't, there's something I need I need there's help that I need of some <laughs> of some version or form. And Meg is going with me, which means we're probably going to get like the Meg recap, which I know we're all excited about.
2: <laughs> which, so we just need to track down Nigel and Deb.
1: Yeah. Which Deb retired. She got done right. with Forever Night and she was like, peace out, motherfuckers. So I don't even know where she is. There's uh, it would feel inappropriate to find her, because like she's lived a whole life like thirty plus years since forever night. She probably never comes up in her day life that she's be- that she was in this cult classic television show forever ago. Um, they did her dirty, so I get it, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure Nigel lives in Stratford, so we just need to go door to door.
2: Have you seen this man? Have you man? seen this man? <laughs> Hold
1: up a picture of LaCroix, like season yeah. one LaCroix with the dark eyebrows, the like punk rock LaCroix. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right, I think this is a good place to end it. So until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.
0: All's well that ends well. Although it never really does end for some of us, anyway. Until tomorrow. I remain a friend to all, and as always when you have a friend in the Nightcrawler who needs enemies.